this question of how God judges. And we found that there were three things that God judges with respect to his people. Their sins were judged at the cross. Their walk now is being judged and God chastens those who are his children. He disciplines us. And then he's going to reward us when he comes for his own. And then we talked about the judgment of the living nations in Matthew 25 in our last lesson. Now we come to the, to the fifth judgment, and this is the judgment of the wicked dead. Revelation chapter 20, from verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But God is even going to judge angelic beings. Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 I read, Do you not know? that the saints will judge the world? Verse 3, Don't you know that we shall judge angels? And if we're going to judge the world and judge angels, can't we judge the little things that come in our lives? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study in What Did Jesus Do at the Cross and the Resurrection continues with God's judgment of the wicked dead and of angels. But first, we find the truth of God's judgment of the wicked dead in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. This is also referred to as the Great White Throne Judgment. And Dr. Mitchell guides us through this passage, asking the question, do you know where you are going to spend your final destination? Do you know what it is going to be? Is it going to be with Jesus Christ as one's name is written in the book of life? Or is it going to be as one whose name is not found in that book? Because if not, all that is left is for a person to be judged by the things written in the books according to their works. Have you decided where you will spend eternity? Dr. Mitchell also looks at the judgment of angels and that by believers. Here's Dr. Mitchell in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 on the unchanging word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. We come to you again to meditate upon what the Word of God has to say concerning the judgments of God. We have been dealing with this question of how God judges. 
And we found that there were three things that God judges with respect to his people. Uh, their sins were judged at the cross. Their walk now is being judged, and God chastens those who are his children. He disciplines us, and then he's going to reward us when he comes for his own. We're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. We're either going to be rewarded or we're going to suffer loss. And then we talked about the judgment of the living nations in Matthew 25 in our last lesson. And I again would suggest that you notice in Matthew chapter 25 where our Lord speaks of him judging the nations, there are no resurrections. He's talking about the nation then living on the earth when he returns. Now we come to the, to the fifth judgment. And this is the judgment of the wicked dead. And I'm reading from the book of Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. You will notice from verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, the time or the place of this judgment is at the white throne. You remember we were quoting at the very beginning of this series in Acts 17, 31, or 30 and 31, uh, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he hath set apart a day in the which he's going to judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Now, when one reads a passage like this from Revelation 20, there are those who say, well, I don't believe that, would, that God would do a thing like that. May I remind you that God is righteous? At the beginning of the 19th chapter, you remember, I heard these things. Let me read it to you. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. Remember that the Lord is always righteous in what he does. You remember what Abraham said way back there in Genesis chapter 18, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Now the white throne judgment takes place at the end of the kingdom. Now let me get this very clear in your mind. At the beginning of the kingdom, he judges the nations. At the end of the kingdom, you have the final judgment, the judgment of the wicked dead. Uh, for example, in chapter 20, we read in verse 5, The rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. 
you've got the first resurrection and the second resurrection with approximately a thousand years between. I'm not going to quibble with you about the exact number of years. The Bible says a thousand years. You say, well, that's only a, a type. Be that as it may, there is a difference and there's a time element between the first and the second resurrection. The first resurrection is unto life and the second resurrection is unto death. But what I read here is that they stand before the throne of God to be judged. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Now you'll notice he speaks here of two things. He talks about the books in the plural. Then he talks about the book of life. Allow me to go to the end of the, of the chapter, first of all. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In other words, our destination depends upon our names being in or not in the book of life. You say, well, sir, how can I get my name on the book of life? The very moment a person accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, your name was put in the book of life. I repeat it again, our destination is not determined by our works. Our destination is determined by whether our name is in the book of life or not. Now you may say to me, why Mr. Mitchell, I don't believe that God would have a, a lake of fire for anybody. May I tell you again in the, this 20th chapter that this place was reserved for the devil and his angels. And having spurned the Savior, having turned one's back on the provision God has made, what is left for judgment? You say, well, I don't believe in a literal lake of fire. Well, be that as it may. What does he mean? If this is only a type, if this is only a figure of speech, then, brother, deliver me from the reality of it, whatever it is. It's an eternal condition away from God. Absolute separation for God for, for eternity. But they're judged according to what is written in the books. You notice in verse 12, the books were opened and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The measure of punishment is determined by what's in the books. Your life your deeds is an open book before God. Remember the Lord Jesus said, every idle word will be brought into judgment. My friend, you're dealing with a holy, righteous God who knows everything. As the 139th Psalm says, he knows our thoughts afar off. He not only knows what you do and what you say and your thoughts, but he also knows your very motives. My friend, your whole life is transparent before God. He knows everything you do. But let me get this thing very clear in your mind. Our destination is determined by the book of life. And if one's name is not in the book of life, my friend, there's nothing left but eternal judgment. And the measure of your judgment will be according to the books. And I take it from what the Word of God says that every one of us 
God knows everything that everyone has done. Now, there are no Christians here in this judgment. None of God's people in this judgment. This is a judgment of the wicked dead. And they stand before God, and the result is they're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You remember in chapter 22, the word that we read, for example, in verse 10 I read, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, unrighteous, let him be unrighteous still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Here you have an eternal condition. Having spurned God's remedy, having refused the Savior provided by God, my friend, what have you got left? Just sit down and analyze it. What have you got left? It would be a point of wisdom that every one of us make sure, as Peter says, make your calling and election sure. Be sure that you're really trusting the Savior. Now, I know we Christians fail God, but we're still his people. It may be that my fellowship with God can be broken. That's true. But he's made provision for restoration. But that's his people. But he's not dealing with his people in this passage in Revelation 20. He's talking about those who have spurned him. Those who are without Christ and without hope and without God. And your destination is determined by whether your name is in the book of life or not. And again, I repeat it. And the measure of your judgment is according to your works. Now, let me give you just one more judgment. The sixth one, and that is the judgment of angels. You know, in the book of Jude, in the book of Jude, verse 6, we speak of the fact here that angels are reserved for judgment. Verse 6, I read in the book of Jude. Angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. And in Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 4, I read the same thing. If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to, to Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Do you ever stop to think that the very angels who sinned when Satan fell, when Satan fell, one-third of the angelic host fell with him, and God has them reserved in chains of darkness waiting judgment, and their judgment is sure. There's no hesitation about this. There's no grace allowed for fallen angels. Christ didn't die for angels. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for the human race. May I remind you that when God made man, he made man as the highest form of creation on earth. What for? That God may have a people who will appreciate his love and his grace his compassion and his tenderness, a people with whom God is going to have fellowship through eternity. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful grace. But for angels, he didn't die for angels. He died for sinners. 
You know, one time I was preaching on on sinners being saved about putting our trust in the Savior when a man said to me afterwards, well, Mr. Mitchell, it's too easy. Why, the devils believe and they're not saved. Well, I said to this gentleman, why don't you repeat the verse? The devils also believe and tremble. What do they believe? Well, the preceding verse says, thou believest there is a God? Don't crow about that. The devils also believe that, and they tremble. To say that a man believes in God doesn't mean very much, but if a man puts his trust in the Savior who died to put away sin, my friend's a different proposition. But God is even going to judge angelic beings. And may I say this to you today? Even the people of God, the saints of God, are going to judge the angels. Do you ever think of it? In the book of Corinthians, chapter 6, I read in that amazing passage where Paul is is appealing to the Corinthian church to walk circumspectly because of the tremendous privilege and relations they have with the Savior. And in his appeal to them, in verse 2 I read, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Verse 3, Don't you know that we shall judge angels? And if we're going to judge the world and judge angels, can't we judge the little things that come in our lives? This is what Paul is talking about. You know, the Christians in in Corinth were running to the law with each other. And Paul rebukes them. Don't you know you're going to judge the world? And if you're going to judge the world and judge angels, can't you judge things between yourselves? This is the rebuke he gives to the Corinthian church. Did you ever stop to think of the privilege of being a Christian? Don't you know that we're going to judge angels? Don't you know we're going to judge the world? My, what a place he's given to us Christians. And I'm just going to leave it there. I don't understand it all. All I know is what the Bible says. Angels that kept not their first estate are held in chains of darkness waiting judgment. And we are going to share, we Christians, we who belong to the body of Christ are going to share with our Lord Jesus, not only in the judging of the world, but we're going to be with him also in the judging of angels. My, what a place God has given to us. Who wouldn't be a Christian? Who wouldn't put their trust in the Savior? As I think of these six things that I've talked to you about this week on the question of judgments, our sins have been judged at the cross. The Lord is disciplining his people now for their failures. We're going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body. Then he's going to judge the nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat with respect to what they have done with Israel. He's going to judge the wicked dead at the end of the kingdom. And then at the end of it all, he's going to judge the angels. And then we start the day of God. And in the day of God where righteousness dwells, there will be no lawlessness. There will be no rebellion. There will be no unrighteousness. There'll be no sin. Oh, I tell you, when I come to the end of the book of Revelation and John Here's the last words of our Savior when he says, Surely I come quickly. 
our hearts ought to respond with John and say, Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. When I see conditions today in the world, I'm so glad that the word of God has revealed to us his purpose for the nations and for his church and for the world. I'm an optimist of the optimists because I know that God is working all things out after the counsel of his own will. I may not be able to understand all the, the marvelous detail of his purposes, but I do know what he has said in the word of God. I know there's a time coming when our Lord is going to take the church from this world, when our work here will cease. And I do know he's going to judge the nations of the earth and he will judge them in absolute righteousness. And I do know at the end of the kingdom he's going to judge the wicked dead and he'll judge them in absolute righteousness. I know he's going to judge the angels at the end and he's going to do it in absolute righteousness. Everything he does is right. My friend, that's the kind of a God we have. I wouldn't want any other kind of a God. I want a Lord who is absolute in righteousness and holiness. I want a God who is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. And then to know that he who knows all about us, this is the marvelous, this is the marvelous thing. He knows every detail of our lives, we who love the Savior, we who have simply put our trust in the Lord. He knows every detail of our lives, and the marvelous thing is he still loves us, isn't it? Isn't it? He still loves us. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And my friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, will you remember this? If you spurn him or are indifferent to him as your Savior, then you must meet him as your judge. It's just two plus two make four. If I spurn the provision... He's made for my eternal salvation. There's only one thing left, that I must stand before a righteous God. And I'm going to hear him say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, our Lord says, In that day many shall say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name? We have performed miracles in your name. We've done wonderful works in your name. And he will say to them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Oh, listen, friend. It's not my tears, nor repentance, nor prayers. It's the blood that atones for the soul. Christ is the only Savior. But he's a real Savior. He's a perfect Savior. He's an eternal Savior. And I just pray that you today may accept him. Be sure that you belong to him, that you're in Christ, and that he's your savior today. And may this be true to you, true of you, for his name's sake. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Never again 
is a cup of fresh life. Oh, what I missed, he's been waiting right there all the time. He was there. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.